Hi, Trinity family and friends. This is our daily meditation on 1 Peter. I'm Darian Lockett, and during these difficult times, we are looking at this letter written by the Apostle Peter to provide us with hope in our various trials and our suffering. Today, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you would help us once again to open our eyes and open our hearts to hear your word. Father, we need you. We need this means of grace, of reading and understanding your word, because we need our minds renewed. We need our hearts uh, reoriented once again to what we should love. Lord, the world around us presses us into its mold. We also become overwhelmed and discouraged um, because of our current circumstances. So Lord, how important it is that this means of grace, how you reveal yourself in your word, we, we need to know and be renewed. So help us, Lord. Send your spirit as we, as we think about your word today together. Help us to understand and help us to be transformed and obey. Lord, please do these things for us because we cannot do them for ourselves. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The passage we're looking at today is the climax of uh, the long passage on submission. It offers the supreme example of innocent suffering, Jesus himself. I'll read 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I want to share two main ideas here. First, all Christians are to follow the example of Christ's innocent suffering. We find this in verses 21 through 23. Here, Peter says that you were called to this and that Christ has left an example that you might follow in his steps. That's verse 21. It's somewhat ironic that a passage about Christ's suffering appears in a household code where slaves and uh, wives and the whole community are addressed. What's interesting is that, especially if you look at the section on slaves in 18 through 20, and then the section on wives, chapter 3, 1 through 7, these are two groups of people who are precarious. They're vulnerable. In, especially in first century Greco-Roman society, a, a slave and a wife didn't have very many rights. And they become the paradigm examples of following in the footsteps of Jesus. They, like Jesus, had no socio-political power, and therefore they had to entrust themselves to God's care, like Christ did. In verse 23 especially, we see how Peter describes the experience of Jesus with the words of Isaiah, especially Isaiah 53. Here, Peter argues that Jesus is the most innocent. He did not sin. He did not even speak or anything deceitfully. And as the innocent one, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. The word example suggests the closest 
of copies between our lives and the life of Jesus. But English words such as example or model or pattern are too weak, for Jesus' suffering is not simply an example or pattern or model, um, as if one of many. He is the paradigm by which Christians um, write in large letters the truth of the gospel in their lives. The suffering of slaves and wives only makes sense as close approximations to Jesus' ultimate example of innocent suffering. But not only is Jesus the innocent one, when facing unjust suffering, he did not retaliate. Again, look at verse 23. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. When Jesus was verbally insulted, he did not return insults. When he suffered in his body, when Jesus was beaten, whipped, and crucified, he did not fight back. The tense of these verbs stress the ongoing nature of Jesus' non-retaliation. He kept on not returning insults. He kept on not fighting back. Rather, in response to violence and abuse of power, Jesus absorbs the violence done against him on the cross. And with a power greater than any superpower, he snuffs out this violence. Jesus literally extinguishes all violence and death in his own suffering and death. How do you respond when you're insulted? When someone verbally insults you or spreads a rumor about you defaming your character, what do you do? All of our impulses are to fight back when we have been treated unfairly. We live... um, as if we are the only ones who can uphold our reputation, our name, or our honor. But look at what Christ did. He did not defend himself. He did not protect his honor, but rather he entrusted himself to God. Later in the letter, Peter says, So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. That's chapter 4, verse 19. This exposes a heart-level trust issue. Confessing that we believe or that we trust God with our reputation or our honor is one thing, but patiently enduring unjust or unfair treatment or waiting on the Father to bring us justice in the end is quite another thing. But in Jesus' innocent suffering, there is also something much more than an example. So that's the first idea, that, that Jesus leaves this example for all Christians in innocent suffering. But the second idea is there's something even more unique here. Second, Jesus' innocent suffering uniquely accomplishes redemption and vindication of all those who suffer. We see this in verses 24 and 25. Whereas Jesus is the ultimate example of innocent suffering for Christians to follow, here Peter focuses on the unique redemptive value and purpose of Christ's death. 24 and 25, once again, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter shifts from Christ's suffering as an example to follow to the unique salvation Jesus' suffering accomplishes for us. Notice the shift from you, second person, to our first person. Peter argues that Jesus himself bore our sins so that we might live for righteousness. Peter emphasizes specifically how Jesus Christ has borne our sins with two phrases, in his body and on the tree. Bearing our sins in his body is an explicit reference to Jesus's death. 
The phrase on the tree reflects back to Deuteronomy 21, 23, where a person who is hung on a tree bears God's curse. Not only did Jesus bear God's curse on our behalf, quoting Isaiah 53, Peter says, by his wounds you have been healed. And continuing with the imagery from Isaiah 53, Peter reminds, uh, uh, reminds us of our past. You were like sheep going astray. But because of the unique work of Christ, now we have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Therefore, John Calvin says it this way, it follows that every good thing we could think or desire is to be found in the same Jesus Christ alone. For he was sold to buy us back, captive to deliver us, condemned to absolve us. He was made a curse for our blessing, a sin offering for our righteousness. He died for our life so that by him, fury is made gentle, wrath appeased, darkness turned to light, fear reassured, debt canceled, sadness made merry, division united, rebellion subjected, damnation damned, the abyss sunk into the abyss, hell transfixed, death dead, morality, mortality made immortal. Because of the beauty of Christ, not only slaves and wives, but all Christians are willing to suffer unjustly and follow in his footsteps. This submission to the social structures and relationships around us is, is not just to witness to the watching world, it's also to subvert and overturn those structures of injustice and oppression. This is a radical break with the social expectations of our day. Because we are rescued and healed by the innocent suffering of Jesus Christ, because we have been given a new identity in Christ, his life and suffering become the pattern for our lives as well. The suffering of Christ, the sufferings of Christ are not only the means by which we ourselves are rescued from our own sin. When we extend, when extended through the life of God's people, they are also the means by which the world itself may be brought into new life in Christ. Innocent suffering is a powerful witness to the world that the unjust suffering of Jesus Christ has not only changed our lives, but given us a new identity. It is also an announcement that all things will be made new. All people, all institutions, all social relationships, the entire world. This is the powerful witness of the innocent suffering of Christ. May you turn to a beautiful Jesus and trust in him, the one who has suffered on your behalf, that you might live a new life.